the game's all about. All of a sudden, you feel like you can't miss. I'm just leave it up there. You couldn't make that if you tried that again. Absolutely not. Welcome to Buckets. My name is Matt Moore. I'm the senior NBA writer for the Action Network. Joined as always by professional better Raheem Palmer, Brandon Anderson, NBA analyst, NFL writer. Today on the show, we are going to break down the Pacific Division, where they're at, betting opportunities, MVP, futures, awards, Western Conference, wins, everything that we've got on the slate available to us. A reminder, you can check out everything that you need to know to bet any sport in the Action Network app. It's the best place for you to track your picks. You get up to the second information on where the money's coming in, where the tickets are, how the line has moved, sharp signals, our models, everything in the Action Network app. You can also follow Brandon and Raheem in the app to get plays for both NFL and NBA and other sports as they come available. All of that available in the award-winning Action Network app. Make sure that you also are checking out the great other podcasts from the Action Network, including the Action Network podcast, which records Monday and Friday with Brandon and Raheem, breaking down the slate, doing all of their picks, as well as the hot read, various segments, Big bets on campus. If you're into college basketball, check that one out. Stucky does an absolutely phenomenal job on there, breaking down college basketball. All right, it's time for the big picture. This week's big picture, we are breaking down the Pacific Division. What are the opportunities? We're going to start from the top and go down because we must start. Uh, We need to start. We are compelled to start with a team that I'm going to be honest with you, fellas. I always had problems with this team. They annoyed me. Not a fan of let's just chuck up the ball from 35 feet and watch it go in. It breaks everything that I love about basketball. And I had a hard time because everyone loves this team and loves Steph Curry. Matt Moore hates Steph Curry. And I figured out the way for me to get on board, and that is to have money on them. Cheers to the Golden State Warriors, as all of my futures have basically doubled in cash out value, and we're only a month into the season. Boys, the Warriors are absolutely destroying everyone. And there was the like, oh, but they've had such an easy schedule. Oh, they've been at home all the time. So then they go to Brooklyn, and they beat down Kevin Durant and the Nets. And then they're like, "Mm, we're going to rest Steph and Draymond for a night. And they beat the Pistons anyway, the same Pistons that almost took out out the Lakers last night. Brandon, my division title odds look great. My Steph Curry MVP odds look great. The Warriors title bet that I took a long shot on right out of the gate in preseason looks awesome. What could possibly go wrong? Uh, James Wiseman? Is is that the answer that could go wrong? (laughs) Uh, Yeah, Clay is practicing and possibly back soon. I think that that should be good. Hopefully that doesn't screw up the rotations and the chemistry and all of that, but it's clay. It's going to be great. He hopefully will be back by that Christmas game that we're getting. Warriors have won 11 of their last 12, all but one of those by double digits. So they're not even playing with their food. Like what was Raheem? You put the, the, the third quarter rating was it like plus 30, not rating or something for the third yeah, quarter. Plus 30. <laughs> yeah. Just, just absurd. They're, they're, they're just kind of like, all right, we'll just shoot around for a while. And then halftime, like, oh, you guys are still around? <laughs> nope. It's over now. We're the Warriors. Nope. And they're, they're second offense, first in defense, first in net rating by a bunch. They're number one in threes, number four in three-point percentage, number two in two-point percentage, number good at all the things. So, yeah, I, I uh, played around this morning. I was trying to figure out 
what kind of odds could I get on a Steph MVP, Draymond Defensive Player of the Year, Steve Kerr Coach of the Year parlay? And the odds are basically about 188 to one. The problem is you can't because the books aren't that dumb and they know that those are not independent. So you can't, you can't parlay those. Not anywhere I check. I checked at six. Feel free to check on your books. So you never know, if, depending on what book you have, if you want to put a few Warriors futures together, this seems like a good time to do that. Yeah, I, I'm in. It, this feels like putting on a nice, warm winter sweater. Like, we're back. It's comfortable. It's the Warriors. I know what we're watching here. Raheem, you for years, um, and by years, I mean like a year, uh, you, uh, you like you and I've had this debate a bunch about the fact that Steve Kerr would not adjust Steph Curry's rotation in the fourth quarter. So they would be up against it or they would be like, have a small lead or have lost the lead. And then like things would be getting bad in the fourth quarter and he would stick to the rotation. And so like, I kept trying to tell you as like a longtime NBA scribe, Hey, Mm -hmm. like this is just like a normal thing. If you have a rotation, you stick to it. Like this is the rotation. Um, He's changed that this year. What I thought was most interesting in uh, the discussion of that rotation change, Anthony Slater wrote about this over the athletic Steph didn't like it. Like he still doesn't like it. He doesn't, wow. he, do, he doesn't like starting this fourth quarter and then having a break and then coming back in. He preferred it the other way. Like this is where it gets, this is get where I, I get so annoyed is that people think that the coaches decide everything. And I'm like, when you're a superstar, like if you're a role player, sure. Like Juan Toscano Anderson does not get a say in his rotation. Steph Curry gets to say what, it, what he plays. So yeah. Steph likes prefers the other way. However, they are doing that now. Like they are yeah. playing, um, they are playing him in those fourth quarters. Are we in? A, are we in like the Chiefs zone here, Raheem? And by that, I mean uh, the old Chiefs, not the new Chiefs, who are just like a pretty <laughs> good football team. But like the old Chiefs, where it was like any time that you saw the Chiefs as a money dog, a money line dog in game. Are we at that point? I mean, this Warriors? was this was the old Warriors. I mean, I think this was the the seventy three and nine Warriors to where you may have to ref- reference the Chiefs here because the Warriors did this for years on end. Um, I kind of do think we're in that zone when you look at the fact that there's so much parity in the NBA this year. Like, there's no overwhelmingly great teams except for the Warriors. So you look at the fact that they were down big to Cleveland and they just came back and absolutely destroyed. And they didn't have Steph Curry that night. So they are kind of in that zone. So I agree with you. By the way, uh, Matt, you're a Chiefs fan, aren't you? And Raheem, are you a Cowboys fan? Because I believe that your guys' teams played yesterday. How did no, that no, one no, go? No, 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 we're not, we're not, no, 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 no. One, <laughs> this is an NBA pod. Two, I feel for him. It's been a rough couple <laughs> weeks for the Cowboys. It, that was a rough game yesterday. Like, it, I'm just, I'm grateful to get out. I am waiting also on all, like I am holding back all of my chiefs energy. I'm holding all of it back in case they make a super bowl run. And Brandon tweeted during the giants game, the chiefs are bad. And I'm going to quote tweet him into oblivion. If we make, (laughs) if if we make a run, like I have the tweets all drafted, they're ready, but we'll get to that uh, in an NFL episode that I will not beyond but um at DraftKings updated odds by the way the warriors um preseason win total was 47 and a half we're up to 53 and a half for the warriors they're, they're resting staff they already won they've got this great bench unit they've got a really smart training staff that has always kind of been very up on it in terms of hey this is a spot we need to rest Steph curry or draymond 
So I think that's all good. Um, barring a Steph injury, knock on wood, that like to me, there's no regression here. Like their defense is dialed in. The offense still moves the ball. Steph is doing is is back to Steph MVP levels. He's leading the league in scoring. Um, dropped to 50 last week. You've got like Poole is still playing fantastic. Like Steph played badly in the Raptors game. The Raptors keyed in on him. So Poole went off and carried them. Like it, it's really crazy because Poole is doing what we kind of thought that Clay was going to be necessary to do. And so now it's like if this now Clay doesn't have to come back and be like dynamic three level scorer. Clay can literally just be a spot up guy when he comes back and they're good. There's no team that I can identify here in the in the West that I'm like, that's a bad matchup for the Warriors. There are better ones than others. But if they play the Jazz, the drop scheme is a problem versus Steph. If they play the Nuggets, uh, the passing of the Warriors is probably going to be a problem for the short roll attack from Draymond and the defense will probably give issues because Draymond plays Jokic very well. If they play the Suns, um, they're going to be able to go five out and really pick on DeAndre Ayton in a way that most teams can't. If they play the Lakers, yikes. Like there's no real threat in the in the Western Conference. I made them as part of my NBA bet composite. They are now the favorites at some books. Not all, by the way. They're still not the favorites at some books to win the Western Conference. I found a good number doing line shopping on NBA bet. Um, Raheem, very specifically, you as somebody who doesn't play futures, what do you think about a, a Warriors Western Conference title bet? I actually do play futures. I just don't, I, I, I'm like, I play so few of them, but I do like the Warriors to win the Western Conference. And I think that's something that you should have in your portfolio. I think, you know, like for me, I tend to play the long shots where I think they've been undervalued. And I think the Warriors are still undervalued. Like, mm-hmm. So it's just, I, I'm not mad. Like right now to win the Western Conference, they're plus 320. And uh, I found a 375 at Caesars. Oh, yeah. I, I think you got to take yeah. that. And they're, they're going to be favorite over any other team. And like you said, there's no regression coming. So that puts you in a position to where they make the Western Conference finals. They're going to be a favorite. You can hedge out of it if you don't like how yeah. it's going. I mean, that was that was a big part of like the NBA bet position that I put in. I'll go ahead and, and just mm-hmm. kind of lay this out. I bet on three teams to win the West. Mm-hmm. And I'll add on to them as the season goes along. Like I already have a Warriors position and I add a little bit more. I'll probably mm-hmm. get on the Warriors for a little bit. Um I want to be able to like have these positions that I've already got long odds on that I can then adjust to later to increase profit is pretty much the goal. Yeah. Brandon, the team that I bought low on or thought I bought low on. Uh, a team that is currently, if we look at the odds to win the Western Conference, um, is now plus 340 to win the West at DraftKings. They are plus 900 to win the NBA title at BetMGM. Um, they are plus 400 at BetMGM to win the NBA title. A team coming off of an inspiring, epic comeback win as we record this on Monday afternoon versus the mighty Detroit Pistons, your Los Angeles Lakers. I did in fact uh, add them to my position for Western conference because I got 440 at uh FanDuel. That was before LeBron's return, Brandon. Uh, this is like a buy low spot. I felt like I had to buy 
on the Lakers at 440, just based off of if you believe in buying the dip, like this is the dip for the Warriors. Yeah, th- this is definitely for the Lakers. This is this is the dip. It's not going to get, you know, well, I don't know what happens to make it, it can't worse get injury. worse. Yeah, yeah that's, the, the, that's the worse is, is can't a get better injury to LeBron or Davis. Like that's that. the worst. And that certainly is in play because it's LeBron. And we've seen that now the last few years. And it's Anthony Davis, who somehow did not fall down during that fight last night, which had to have been like the upset of the year so far. <laughs> <laughs> so what do you think about this? Uh, I've, I've got more dumping on Lakers to come, but if you want in on the Lakers at DraftKings, you can play what state will win the title, California. So you get the Warriors and you get the Lakers hedge and you get a Clippers hedge in case Kawhi comes back. Plus 240, California to win the title. I don't mind that. What do you think about that? The only thing I've got there is I don't know that you're getting the best value on it. Like if you're going that route, I feel like you're better off kind of building and buying the dips as the season goes on. Like that's my, my take on it. Yeah, um, the, other, the other thing I would say is um, I, like for me, I just don't want like 240 is it, it's such a solid bet, right? Because if you get into like, here, here's a good question though. If it's the Western Conference Finals and any California team is facing any non-California team, are the odds in that series going to be, are you going to get better value than that? Like the odds are like, they'd be favored, right? Like they'd be favored, obviously. Like the Warriors or Lakers would be favored over the Jazz. And so you can bet the other way with the Jazz is like a dog. I don't know that the Jazz are going to be greater than 240. It still gives you like a hedge opportunity, but like, I, I would rather, and the other thing is, I think if you're listening to this, you're just like, it's so far away. I kind of agree with that, just in terms of we have a lot more injuries to sort of through. We don't know how the Lakers are going to do. Like, here's here's one of the problems, right? If the Lakers, if 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 it's announced that Kawhi's not coming back, all right, you lose value on the Clippers. If the Lakers outright implode, then you're sitting there and just being like, I basically have a Warriors plus two forty when I could have just bet the Warriors plus 375, right? Um, I, I don't mind it, Brandon. I think from a, a, a from that perspective, like you're usually pretty sharp on these things. And usually when I'm like, no, I don't like that, you wind up being right. I don't mind it. I personally, I'm going to look for other opportunities because in part, you know me, I like the finals matchup ones. So I'm going to be looking for like either finals matchups or parlaying conference winners. Um, Raheem, you brought up a, a good point here. Let's actually get into this for, for a minute. Our Our thought process on the Lakers was... They're going to be fine in the regular season because Russ is going to raise the floor. The playoffs are where we're concerned because Russ is going to impact the shooting. Here's what we know about the Lakers right now. They have the shooting because Carmelo's shooting the lights out. THT is back. Monks played well for them shooting wise. They've been without LeBron, right? They're first with them due to the injury. And then last night, second half um, due to him trying to take Isaiah Stewart's face off. They're going to be probably without LeBron a little bit here in the next couple of games, but 82 game season. My concern is on the defensive end where I wrote about this for um, action last week on market slumpers. I looked at the teams that were worse against the spread last week. The Lakers are awful against the spread in part because they can't get stops. They're giving up the second most cuts per game. They're one of the league leaders and highest opponent points in the paint allowed. Like last night, the Pistons were like the, the good performance and they still allow 48. They allow 48 and a half per game this season. Um, Raheem, do you feel like where are you at with the Lakers in terms of I bought the dip? Are you in just like a, I don't even think there's value buying the dip mode? 
understand buying the dip just because when you look at the rest of the landscape in the Western Conference, I'm not that high on these, these other teams. When you look at Denver, they, they were a team that I was looking to buy in on, and then they lost Michael Porter Jr. for the season. Uh, not, 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 not done yet. Might be. Might be. We'll see. Okay. They lost Michael Porter Jr. We don't know what's going to happen with Murray. To me, the Clippers, it's pretty clear that Kawhi Leonard's not coming back this year. And I don't see any other strong candidates. I mean, the Jazz could make things happen, but I'm still not buying in on the Jazz. So I understand buying the dip from that perspective, but I don't understand buying the dip from the perspective that I just don't think the Lakers are good. And I think we're finally seeing the decline of LeBron James. When you look at his average shot distance, he's taken a lot of shots from from far back. And throughout his career, he was able to get to the basket at will. When you look at the Lakers, they played 12 of their first 18 games at home. And they're just nine and nine. Russell Westbrook is probably the only superstar who I've ever seen who was just detrimental to his team when he has bad games. And you look at the big lineups. They're not really working with Anthony Davis. I just don't, I don't know how you put together a good defensive team with the personnel that they have. And I still think scoring is going to be a, a, a problem as well. So I'm not that high on this team. So I have some LeBron stats for you guys. Now, caveats, caveats. It's LeBron. It's only eight games. He hasn't been healthy. So I'm sure I'm going to get clipped into oblivion when LeBron turns back into LeBron and is amazing. But here are the numbers. For this season, the Lakers have a negative net rating with LeBron on the court. Whew. Mm. Negative four for the season. Not much, but still negative. LeBron has the highest turnover rate of his entire career. He is the lowest usage he's had since his rookie season. His lowest assist rate since 2007. By far the worst free throw rate of his career. This is the first stretch of his career. He's had seven games in a row with five free throw attempts or less ever. He's got the lowest rebounding rate by far since his rookie season. So that's the athleticism and just effort. He has 28% of his shots at the rim. That's lowest of his career. He's shooting 66% at the rim. Still really good, by the way, but also lowest since his rookie season. Free throws. He's 1.5 shooting fouls drawn per game this season. He's averaging three and a half for his career and even over three with the Lakers. So just all the numbers there point to LeBron might kind of finally show some age this season. So all the things we're saying, all the badness of the Lakers, Russell Westbrook, terrible, under 50% true shooting. His usage rate is still what it has been in recent years, but he has a career high turnover rate. All of that goes away if LeBron just turns into LeBron again. But the last couple of years, we've done the thing where LeBron gets hurt and we're like, yeah, well, LeBron probably would have won MVP if he just stayed healthy. We know he's the best player in the world. I don't know that I really believed it no. then, and I don't believe it now. No, he's not there anymore. He's not. I, I, I'm okay with saying that. I mean, like, you know, availability is a skill. I also think now that, that Brandon has shit on LeBron James, allow me to take my turn on Anthony Davis uh, without DeAndre Jordan and Dwight Howard on the floor. So in lineups with Anthony Davis at the five for the season, they are a minus 4.2 in net rating with a 110 defensive rating. So the magical, like if they would just stop playing this, the big lineups doesn't work here. Doesn't, it's not accurate. They're losing those lineups. I am telling you, I have done the film. Like I have a clip up. If you want to check it out, action network, I have like a, a like a solid two minute segment of clips. That is uh, just Deandre Jordan and Anthony Davis getting blown by one of those. You expect the other, you do not. 
And you can look back at last night and go like, well, Cade Cunningham. Okay. Cade's not all that fast. Like the fast guards, when they get the switch on Anthony, they're getting to the rim. Now, if you're like a bigger forward, Davis can, Davis is still a great defensive player. I'm not saying Davis is not good. I'm saying the idea that Anthony, like Davis is still like, I think the second favorite to win defensive player of the year. That is absurd. Yeah. Um, now that there's a chance the voters might vote for him because they just, I, I've often said, this is the one that they pay the least attention to, but I am telling you right now that Anthony Davis is not the defensive player of the year and far from it. Like their defense has been bad. All that said, you, you listen to any of our content and we talk about not reacting to the moment and, and like the NFL is like this, right. But it's such a truncated season that it's like, are you want to, can you buy into them now? Like if you've got a chief's ticket or a Patrick Mahomes, like MVP ticket, even though I don't think Mahomes is going to get there. Right. You're still feeling pretty good about the value you got three weeks ago on that ticket. Uh, if you got, I'm trying to think of a team that's like rebounded what the Titans, right? Like mm-hmm. the Titans looked lost for the first like three weeks of the season. And if you had, if you had just stuck with it and took their division odds at the lowest point, you're looking good. My thing with the Lakers is basically this is a long season. They can afford to be bad right now. Their schedule is so easy. Now, conversely, it's like, yeah, their schedule has been easy and they're not good, but it continues being easy until all-star. There's so much time for them to get better, for them to improve defensively, for them to figure out rotations, for LeBron to get healthier, for Davis to stop falling down every, every single time, but then you get used to Russ. So like, to me, I still think that there's value on the Lakers, but I, I'll say this. I will, I took the Lakers at plus four forty specifically so that I only have to hedge against them come playoff time. Like I won't have to bet. I won't have to take the Lakers as a favorite in the playoffs. If I take them as a dog now. And that's one of the spots that I'm, I'm looking at. Um, let's keep it moving. Let's go to the third team, which nobody's talked about, which probably needs to be discussed uh, in the fact that they have rattled off a huge number of wins uh, in a row. The Phoenix Suns are now up to, forget it's 12. I think it's 12. Let's 12. Yes, 12. 12. It's 12. They've won 12 games in a row. This seems fascinating to me for a number of reasons, including among them. Um, here's the Suns like adjusted profile. They are sixth in adjusted defensive rating and 14th in adjusted offensive rating because they've played a really weak schedule. They are 30th in offensive strength of schedule. So they faced weak defenses and 25th in defensive strength of schedule. They faced soft offenses as well. So the Suns, like, think of like last night, right? They faced the Nuggets and it's this like, you know, they beat a Western Conference contender and like destroyed them. No Jokic, no Murray, no MPJ, no Bones Highland, no Zeke Naji who would have helped. Like the Nuggets are a shell of themselves right now. I will say this is the third team that I added in that in, in our NBA bet. They are a whopping 700 at bet MGM to win the Western Conference when I bet them last week. They are plus 700 to win the Western Conference for the team that literally won it last season. They are performing better versus bad teams than they did last year, which is my big knock on them. I'm pretty much going to start looking at my under on them as a loss uh, as far as my futures tickets go. Raheem, where are you at with the Suns? Are we in like, let's buy them long term? Let's buy them short term. Where are we at with Phoenix? I think they're a good regular season team but I'm not looking at this team as a team that's going to compete for a championship in the way that they did last year. I okay. think they lucked up with injuries to the Lakers, to the Nuggets, to the Clippers. I'm still bitter over the fact that I actually had a future 
futures bet on the Clippers to win the Western Conference and the NBA title. But Kawhi Leonard gets hurt. And I just think they really lucked up last year. And then also, I mean, a lot of people are going to criticize me for this, but I think Chris Paul is totally declining. Now, he's had some moments. Now, if you watch this 12-game this winning streak, yes, he's closing out games. But there's times where you're watching these games and it's just like, this guy's not the same player. You know, I watched that Minnesota Timberwolves game and throughout the game, he was like almost actively detrimental to his team. And then in the fourth quarter, he just hits every mid-range shot. So I think as the season goes on, you're going to start to see his age and you're seeing career lows in his, his numbers right now. He's down to 14 points per game, 46% from the field, which is still good. An older Chris Paul is still great, but I just think when playoff comes, He's not going to be able to hold it together. So I'm, I'm not that high on this team. Let's go the other way, Brandon. Everyone's counting Chris Paul out. If this team winds up with a one seed in the Western Conference and Chris Paul leads the league in assists, which he is currently doing, right now, bad MGM, Christopher Paul is twelve <laughs> plus 12,500 to win MVP. Thoughts? Yeah, no, I don't, I don't think so. I, yeah. I, try, I tried this last year. Uh, he was on my list. I think I even brought him up on the podcast a couple of times. You know, even last week, we did our midseason awards last Friday, and I sheepishly brought up Chris Paul on a 10-game winning streak as the two seed, snuck him onto my ballot at number five and felt terrible like you guys were going to lambast me for it because I knew it wasn't really entirely fair. Like, I think Chris Paul is the, they do all the good things, they win all the games, and maybe he sneaks onto the ballot and we get to kind of add that to the resume. Maybe he gets third or fourth or something. A lot has to happen for him to win MVP in part because there are still a lot of people that think Devin Booker is the MVP of the Phoenix Suns and wouldn't vote for Chris Paul because of it. So I obviously don't agree with that, but I don't really know what to make of the Suns. So you brought up the, the strength of schedule. They're 29th strength schedule overall at basketball reference. They have zero games the entire season right now against any team with a top 10 net rating. None. That's it. Like. Zero. They, they've played the Nuggets. They've played the Mavs the last few games. That's about as close as it gets. And the Mavs, I think, are like bottom 10 in net rating. So, no Luca. Yeah. 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 So there's, there's not a lot there to get really, really excited about the win streak. However, Chris Paul, I agree, has not been elite, elite Chris Paul. Booker and Mikhail Bridges have been like fine, but not great yet. Aiden missed six games. So despite all of those things, to be on a 12-game winning streak, that's good. Like, you you only can play the teams in front of you. Phoenix fans, we're not dissing your 12-game win streak. You beat the teams you're playing. That's good. I just, I, I don't I don't know that I feel like I need to buy a playoffs position on this team. If, if there are other teams that are healthy and full strength, this is still a tier below some of, their, their ceiling is still a tier below what I picture some of the other ceilings to be. And the Warriors are at that ceiling right now. And I just feel like there are other teams that might get there. I don't know that the Suns have that ceiling to match. So it's good. The last time we talked about them in depth, they were one and three. And they were, I think, third from last in defense. And we talked about being worried. They're third from first in defense now. So they're, they're in good shape. I just don't know if they're in great shape. It's interesting because you know I was the one that, I kind of planted a flag on the Suns are going to regress in preseason and mm-hmm. they haven't in part because of the schedule, but like, look, this is part of it is like, you just, you got to win these games. You it's the consistency. That was the yep. issue last year. And, and they've been yeah. more consistent. I think this team is better built for the playoffs than some of the 
the Western Conference teams. Like these are all pretty good playoff teams, but the Suns proved last year they can find strategic answers. They had a fortunate run last year. Like I'm not, I'm not oblivious to that. They faced mm-hmm. uh, the Lakers without Anthony Davis. They faced the, and they were just banged up in general. They faced the Nuggets without Jamal Murray uh, and Will Barton, by the way. And then they faced, um, who they beat in the Western the Conference without Kawhi. Yeah. Cool. The Clippers without Kawhi. Right. So like they were, they were, they were fortunate. However, they also like the jazz faced the Clippers without Kawhi and they lost, right? The Blazers faced the Nuggets without Jamal Murray and Will Barton and they lost. So uh, in, in general, I, I still think that the Suns have a very good playoff approach. Like Chris Paul, this is, this is a very counter take. Chris Paul is a proven playoff winner. That's yeah. my counter take. There's this idea that he's like this choke artist and I'm just like, no, he's consistently proven. Like he carried them. He carried the Clippers in a massive series versus the Spurs. He carried like he had it was him more than Harden in Houston that had the Warriors on the brink. Um, and he did it last year in carrying the Suns, I think more even more so than Booker. Booker was great, but even more than Booker carrying them to the finals. So I still like their their future odds. If they're going to keep putting this number at anything above 500, I still think there's probably value in a Western conference position. If you're building long-term, if you're just like, I'm going to bet one team to win the West right now, it's the warriors. But if you're betting two, I think the Suns might be the play. Uh, Let's go to the Los Angeles. Before we move on to one thing I will say, I like about this team and you saw it last year, Chris Paul and Devin Booker, the two of the best mid range shooters in the world. And when it's, when it's clutch time, they can pull out these games that other teams can't because they can get shots. So you look at them this year, they're six and one in the clutch. NBA.com defines clutch. It's when a game was within five or five minutes. So they're pulling out these games and you could say that this stuff progresses, but they did the same thing last year. So I think that's the one thing that they have in their advantage that I would put over almost any other team in the, in the league at this point. And Chris Paul is one of the all time great clutch performers like that's not just last year that's all the years with chris paul in the clutch that's what he does so yeah let's give give him some respect he keeps doing that the los angeles clippers are somehow fourth in the western conference with a 10 and 7 record they are uh 11th in adjusted net rating at dunks and behind boston toronto and philly some of these these ratings are hilarious um raheem i don't i don't know what to do here like the, I, there's still like Kawhi might come back and I'm just like how, like how like how like he couldn't come back before reasonably April and if he's back in April you're gonna bring him back for 10 games and then try and, and go into the playoffs that doesn't seem like a thing that they would do like I I it's don't think that he would do I don't Uncle I this is not letting it happen I don't know what to do with this team I, I have no idea what to do with the Clippers right now help me I think the Clippers are a playoff team, but I don't think they're anything more than that. Like, I, I just, this is not a team I would be buying futures on. Like, I, I think they're a, a cute story. Like, I, I think the momentum from what they did in the playoffs last year is going to carry over, but I, I, there's no way I can buy on this team when, look, you need Paul George to do so much. And if he doesn't have it, you're dependent on Reggie Jackson and Terrence Mann. I, I like these guys as role players, but... I, I see no reason why you would buy a future. On. I, I think at max, you, you maybe you play an over on their win total. But besides that, no. 
By the way, um, Reggie Jackson, shout out to him for an absolutely just disgustingly sick left-handed move to basically clinch the game versus the Mavericks yesterday. He basically kept his dribble entirely with his left while his right hand was essentially being held on to. Kept his dribble, got in the lane, scoop layup, score. Like it was an absolutely just sick move um, for big government. I love that they call him. That's his nickname <laughs> amongst Clippers fans. Is Clippers fans call Reggie Jackson big government because he always bails them out. I love it. I, I fucking love that nickname. That's almost as cool as um, Ben Jarvis Green Ellis. They called him the law firm. Nice. <laughs> um, Los Angeles Clippers. I'm looking for on DraftKings. Uh, 43 and a half is the win total, Brandon. Do we have a play on the Clippers? I, I'm I'm more with you, Matt. I just, I don't know what to make of the team. The, they're just the, did the three-pointers fall tonight? Okay, I guess they won. Oh, they missed. I guess they lost. And I just, I don't, I don't want to bet that because it just seems like it's team shot variance. And that's maybe not as fair this year when the defense is playing so well. Second best adjusting that, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I'm fading a little bit right now just because I actually think that they're going to really miss Nick Batum these next like two to four weeks, whatever he's out. I think Batum has clearly been their second best player this year by a lot of the metrics. And Marcus Morris is back now, but it was not looking good in a couple of games he's played. Give him some time. But there's just there's not enough talent on the team. Paul George has been awesome, but especially offensively, Batum is like the one guy who's been steady and helpful. So, yeah, I, I'm not really looking to buy on them. I'm not really looking to sell. I'm not really looking to play. <laughs> um. Here's one at DraftKings. You can do conference seating still, which God bless DraftKings for putting that, keeping that, that up there. The Clippers uh, seating is seven and a half. Let's go through it. Warriors, Jazz, Suns. <laughs> yeah. Warriors, yeah, Jazz, Suns. Going through it. Plan. <laughs> uh, let's go ahead and give the Nuggets the benefit of the doubt because Jokic's injury is not, I feel confident that one's not serious. And he is enough to probably lift them to like 45 plus wins. Okay. Let's put the nuggets in. Let's put the Lakers in at, at fifth. So now we're back to where we kind of were in preseason where we're looking at Portland Mavericks Clippers. Do we think that any of those teams, like, do we think that the Mavericks and Blazers have a definitively better chance? I will say this is juiced to the under, which is why the value I don't think is great. It's minus minus one sixty. So I don't think you can play the under, um, but then it gives you two spots, right? If you just think that if you think that the Clippers will be better than one of Mavericks, Blazers, Grizzlies, that gets them the under at minus 160. That to me is like the only pl- only play you can really have here. I, mean, I think the one thing you got to look at, too, with, when it comes to the Clippers is they have a tough schedule coming in. Like. Yeah they weren't gifted any favors like the Lakers were. They have one of the lo- longest road trips of the season coming up. And who knows if they survived that? I mean, all it takes is one injury to, to Paul George or Reggie Jackson, and this team is going to fall off a cliff. So does that seeding prop, do we know, does that count coming into the postseason or into the playoffs? Like if they if they end the regular season as the eight seed, but win the first playing game and become the seven seed, is that a win or like is that over or under? I believe this is final seeding after after the play in. Yeah. So so there is that possible hedge opportunity where even if you technically are losing your bet as the seven seed when the regular season ends and you bet the over or vice versa, 
you would have a play-in opportunity to hedge the other direction. And probably the Clippers are favored in that game that you could hedge. So there is an opportunity if you think it's that close there, as long as they don't get into the top six. I think another way to look at it is I've noticed that as a Timberwolves fan, of course, I've noticed this. As we are fighting with the Wolves to get into that 10 spot, the vaunted 10 seed, and we'll talk about another team trying to get there. It, there, there are there is a teardrop from nine to ten. There, there are nine teams that look pretty comfortably in the mix, and then there's a group after that that's kind of messy. So I think if you look at it from that perspective, the Clippers only need to finish ahead of two of those nine to hit the under here uh, without hitting the tier drop off. And I think as long as PG stays healthy for the most part, they should be probably safely into that nine. What's the highest you think that the Wolves will get seeding wise for the rest of the season? So the Wolves are 11th in net rating right now, and I can't talk about it, but I'm starting to feel slightly optimistic just in the last few games. So I, I was hoping that you would out. go the other way. I was hoping that you'd be like, <laughs> oh, they're not getting above nine. They'll never be higher than ninth in the West. And I was going to try and sucker you into a bet there. Damn. All right. Screw you for paying attention. Final team <laughs> had itself a weekend uh, after a dude vomited on the bench. That was apparently a sign from God. And the Sacramento Kings fired Luke Walton. Finally, finally, mercifully, mercifully, finally. Uh, props one to the Kings for not throwing their coach under the bus when they could have the other night. Like when they got destroyed and Tristan Thompson went on his rant, like he was not like talking about Luke Walton. He was like, you shouldn't need Luke Walton to motivate you. We shouldn't be relying on Luke Walton to motivate us. Um, De'Aaron Fox was like, he can't make us rebound. Like those kind mm-hmm. of things. Uh, like props to them for not throwing him under the bus. Uh, I am absolutely, as we record this on Monday, on the Kings tonight, 100% on the Kings as uh, first game after coach fired, 100% on there. Alvin Gentry takes over. So Alvin Gentry, I think is a huge upgrade on Luke Walton. Like Walton was just bad uh, in so many ways. They were sub 500, especially as a favorite with Walton. They were awful. I think Gentry raises the the floor of this Kings team. I think in the short term, that's like maybe play. There's no futures on this team. There's no yeah. futures on this team, but um, I mean, if you want to get free, like maybe we can look at them if they respond well to Gentry, maybe we can look at like a play in spot appearance, but Raheem, for me, I don't think there's a future spot. I am going to be looking to play them short term just because I think the market will take a little bit to adjust to how big of an upgrade. I think, I think the players will play better for Gentry. Mm-hmm. I think they'll play what, harder. What do you, what do you think Luke Wilkin did wrong? I, and why do you think he's like Gentry is such a huge upgrade? Alvin's always been able to, to connect with guys. Um, even when the things weren't great, he was able to at least get some buy-in. The Pelicans were a differentiator in that, in that, um, I just think that entire situation is toxic for a number of reasons, but the personalities involved, but Alvin's teams typically have done pretty well. And he's played, he's coached on teams, um, especially as an assistant that had good chemistry. So like, he knows how to kind of build that. I think Luke lost the locker room like a long time ago. Like, I think this was way overdue. Um, also, the biggest thing here, this is like, just let, let's be real simplistic about because the, the things I talk about are nebulous. They'll yeah. play faster. Dave Yeager hates playing fast. By the way, Dave Yeager, hope you get better soon. Battling cancer, scary stuff. Dave, uh, Dave had them playing fast. Dave hates playing fast. But he looked at this roster and was like, I have De'Aaron Fox and a bunch of young guys. Like, we got we to gotta play fast. Yeah. And they almost made the play in. Like they almost made the, the playoffs and with that was their best run. 
So then they hire Walton and Walton goes the other way and is like, let's slow down. Why? Like, why would you do this? So I think with, with Gentry, they're just going to go, 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 go. I'm going to be looking for overs. And I'm going to be looking for the Kings because I think he will play better to their strengths, right? Okay. Yeah, I was thinking that they would increase the pace, but it's so interesting. I'm looking at their pace numbers. They're eighth in pace now. So, yeah. you know, maybe they should be, you know, first or second. The Rockets are playing the fastest pace in the league right now. They should probably be, you know, up there with them with the inner Fox. I, I got one here for you. Um, so one of my favorite stats, I love this site, dunksandthrees.com. Dunksandthrees.com. One of the stats they have on there that nobody talks about as much, they actually have possession length, which is different from pace. So pace mm-hmm. is estimated and calculated. Offensive possession length is actually how long on average do your possessions take? The Kings are only 12th in that category. So, wow. yeah. So that's where they can speed up. They are higher in pace because they also allow quick scores on defense. They are um, ninth in pace on a, on dunks and threes.com because they're also 13th in defensive possession length. So if you play faster on offense, that's probably going to lead to faster defensive possessions. I, I think the overs are going to be a really good play there. Okay. Brandon, um, do you have any takes on the Kings? Just any takes on the Kings? <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I just want to take a minute. I just want to do a little history lesson on the Kings and their coaching because I don't understand, like, wh- what was the point? Why did we keep Luke Walton only to fire him, what, 17 games in the season? Like, what did we learn from 17 games that we didn't know 17 games ago? We ran it back with the same roster of losers that weren't good last year that weren't going to be good again. We were like, let's just keep the, like, almost no rosters had less turnover than this team. And they're just like, yeah, let, let's do it again. So Here's a little history on Sacramento. In 1985, the Kings moved to Sacramento. They made the playoffs that year, but they were 37 and 45. They got swept. They've made the playoffs since then under two coaches. In 96, they made it again sub 500 as an eight seed. They won a game. Their only playoff win other than under Rick Adelman. They've had 19 head coaches since 1985. One, one of them has ever finished the season 500 or better. And it's Rick Adelman who did it all eight seasons in Sacramento. And then they were like, ah, we're not winning enough games, Rick. Go ahead, hit the road. We're going to try some other coaches. Pre-Rick Adelman in Sacramento, 386 wins, 680 losses. Post-Rick Adelman in Sacramento, 443 wins, 768 losses. Both of those are the pace of a 30-52 and team. The entire Sacramento Kings are 30-52 and forever, except for eight years with Rick Adelman when they actually won some games, it doesn't matter who you make the coach. The Kings are terrible. The roster is not good. Like this is not Luke Walton's fault. The roster is bad. They're not a playoff roster. I see. I'll disagree with you there. Uh, Harrison Barnes is good. De'Aaron Fox is good. Halliburton is good. (laughs) Aaron Fox has not been great this year. He's 49% true shooting. He's 32% threes this year. And he's now in five years, one year above 32% on threes, 50, 50% on twos. Like, He's not been that great, and he's not a franchise player like they're paying him. Yeah, he's I mean, not I right now. I think he'd be better as well. Like, like, he would be great if it was, I mean, honestly, Tyrese Maxey's been awesome. But if you had Maxey and Fox in the backcourt in Philadelphia, whew, I think Fox is underrated. I, I'll just tell you, like, when I watch them, there's a big, like, I, I see a coaching gap. Like, I, I see a, coach, a considerable mm-hmm. coaching gap there. I don't think this roster is great. I think that we're, what we're trying to identify here is, is the roster as bad as the performance? And that's where sure. I get to is I'm like, I don't think that they've, you cannot look at them and be like, they have played to the best of their potential. Yeah, um, yeah. 
when I look at this team, to me, with the talent on this roster, they should be challenging for a play playing spot. They should be at least within range. They should be at least they should be with the Wolves right now, right? Yeah, that's that's exactly how I feel. Yeah, we should we should be like, oh hey, like it's either going to be the Wolves or the Kings for that ten spot probably. That's where we should be. And instead, we're like maybe the Thunder. (laughs) Like that's bad. Like that's that's a problem. The, but, but the I, Raptors, I, the I, Raptors I, are dead last. They were dead last in defensive rating for the last two weeks. The Kings couldn't score on their only. That's their only win. Like the the Raptors are terrible over like the last eight games, and they smoked the Kings. That was like that to me was the, was the end point. It wasn't. Yeah, the Jazz. I couldn't believe that. Yeah, we we talked about coaches before the season and like how the median coaching level has raised. We were trying to yeah. figure out who are the bad coaches. And the answer was Luke Walton. He was the bad coaches. It's the yeah. only one we knew was definitely bad. So I don't think any of us are defending that they should fire him. I just don't know, like, why now? Like, why didn't we just do this in the offseason and bring in not Elvin Gentry? It, it, whenever you ask those new. questions, whenever you whenever you get those questions, um, you can say, like, there's no reason. It, here's the like, this is how it goes. You have to convince ownership to bite the bullet on paying for it. That's the like, that's where it gets into is that at some level, uh, Monty McNair, GM out of Houston, uh, had to convince ownership, this is what we need to do. You need to pay for the remainder of Luke Walton's contract. That's, it takes a while to get to that point. Like, you don't want to go to your owner and be like, hey, I'm going to need you to just bite the bullet on his remaining however many million. I'm just going to need you to go ahead and pay that if you could. Especially given how many coaches Renadive has had to pay off. like. So many. They've had seven coaches in 10 years. So uh, McNair needs to nail this next hire. Um, it doesn't need to be Gentry. I'll say that. They need to nail this next hire and try and establish some culture. I will say whenever you have a GM that didn't hire the coach, again, this is never going to work. Yeah. If you're replacing the GM, you might as well replace the coach. It's just for the best. Uh, all right. Let's wrap it up for buckets for a Tuesday. Hope you guys have a mm-hmm. great holiday week. Enjoy Thanksgiving. We'll be back for Wednesday workshop this week. Uh, We'll have you covered on everything that you need on NBA.com slash NBA bet, as well as the Action Network. Make sure to download the Action Network app. Check out all the great podcasts, great reviews, subscribe. Follow us on YouTube. We're doing lots of great shows, including Wednesday workshop live on Tuesday night, 7 o'clock Eastern. Me and Raheem breaking down the Wednesday slate. We'll talk to you guys again then. Thanks for joining us on this edition of Buckets. Buckets.